Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Zach, we had a uh, interesting uh, college football national title. Slightly. Interesting yeah. if you're a Georgia fan. If you're a Georgia fan, of course. <laughs> we probably uh, yes. don't have too many TCU fans in, in the CSRA. Probably not, but we, we have some anti-Georgia fans. So maybe That's they true. were rooting for TCU maybe. by default. But Boy. yeah, it was ex- it was exciting. And it was great for those with kids because halftime you're like, hey, time for bed. I was worried it was going to be close <laughs> and my son would want to stay up yeah, you know, all night to watch it. Yeah, so it was definitely over by halftime. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was it was brutal. Congratulations to the dogs. That's I, I right. Think what what a great season! And um, you know, they'll season. they'll lose half their team and still be yeah. better than everybody <laughs> next year. So yeah, sadly, but yeah, it was great to see it's, to see them. It's yeah. tough having to play them every year as a Gamecock fan. I'll tell you, I'm you just, know, you know, and that's been like that for for a long time. So. But uh, yep. congratulations to the congratulations. Dogs. That's right. So, um, but we know we have a great show lined up today. We've got a couple of good topics, and um, Zach, the first one we're going to um, talk about a little bit is um, uh, about the stock market and looking back at history a little bit. We don't try to predict the returns. No one knows the sequence of returns, but right. um, when you look back at history, it does give you a little indication on potentially what could happen this year. Um, and so we're going to kind of dive into that and there's some big numbers on here and we'll kind of talk through it and certainly wouldn't make any drastic changes to your, uh, strategy based on this, but it's a, right. it's a good topic yeah. and, uh, we'll, we'll dive into some numbers here in, in a bit. Yeah, that's right. And then we're going to also look at, um, an article that talks about how to automate your finances, how to automate your savings and just how important that is to achieve your overall savings goal. So just a good, good read, good reminders to start the new year off right. And yeah, so I think it'll be good. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. By the way, I'm John Travis. Um, I have an MBA in finance. I'm also a Dave Ramsey certified coach, and I have over 30 years of experience in planning for both corporations and individuals. My name is Zach Albanese. I'm a financial advisor and been here almost three years. February 1st is it my that three-year long? anniversary. Golly. Wait a minute. Is it three? <laughs> no, two. I've been, in, I've been a financial advisor for more than three years. Yes. I've been here for almost two years. Yeah. yeah. I know. I'm like... I mean, it seems, it seems like a long time. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens. You're Having to like, come in and see you every see day. Your, yeah, it's like, can this guy <laughs> ever just not show up? <laughs> no, we're glad to have you here. And you're studying for your CFP, too, not want to put any pressure that's on right. you. No, that's all right. Yeah, two months from now, I'll yeah. take that exam and so hopefully in there a lot. put that one behind me and, yeah. and get excited, too. No, you're excited. I am excited, So yeah. in two months, if we talk about you... <laughs> yeah, you know, about the CFP again. That means you passed. If we don't talk about uh, it, that yeah, means yeah. We well, well, yeah, we'll talk about it again. I guess July would be where I would take it again. <laughs> you're so. gonna pass. I know you are. You're you're, you're studying very well for it, and uh, I think you'll do well on it. So we're well, thank you. we're excited to have you listening to us today. Um, we're up every uh, um, Friday afternoon. You can listen to us. You can also go to our website and um, check out the uh, the the information we have out there. We have some good tools, um, some worksheets, budget worksheets. Uh, some uh, financial account inventory worksheets, yep. uh, a retirement plan that you can do it. Um, but you can listen to us uh, at any time and go check out our website. Um, and you can also uh, link to us on moneymd.net and uh, ask any kind of questions. Um, for our clients out there, we just put a, uh, a webinar on with yeah. DFA. Um, go check that out if you haven't seen that webinar. It's 45 minutes long. It's, it's, uh, it's got a lot of really good information in there. Yeah, it's just good. I mean, if, you know, if you're worried about markets, if you have questions in general, it's, it was a great webinar to just get a refresher. Sure. Kind of, yeah, not, not be too stressed out about what happened last year in the market and kind of look forward 
um, looking at some good historical data. So yeah, it kind of you know the webinar is really good, and so is I think this article also just yeah, it, it helps us put things put in things, perspective. I was going to say that, but I got it, man. Thank you, man. I was thank reading you. your mind. <laughs> so we're, we're going to start. This is a great financial fact of the week. Yeah, I'm it excited is. about you. Uh, Sharing this data with us. So <laughs> All right, here we'll we let go. You dive right here's, into it. here's the financial. There's two fact. of them actually. There is. So we'll we'll cover the first one first. Here, here we go. So pennies buried in a garden will repel slugs, which get electric shocks from touching copper and zinc. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that? You know, <laughs> you can also put beer as well. I mean, beer, so you put, <laughs> you, beer and slugs will are attracted to the beer. No. So the no, he'd be the one hence well for the slugs. I didn't. Uh, they get electric shocks. Okay, so beer as well would. Well, they don't give them electric shocks. I yeah, think okay. they basically drown. But sure. yeah, I don't know. Okay. That's that's a good financial fact, right? I mean, if you have extra pennies and slugs, then there you go. So you that's your utilize those. That's pennies. one financial fact. That's it. All right. The next <laughs> one is a person who drives ten miles to buy a lottery ticket is three times more likely to die in a car accident while driving to buy the ticket than in winning the lottery. So just another reason, you know, why you're better off saving and investing instead of doing that. So Yeah, I mean, I think the lottery is entertainment, right? It's, yeah. it's fun to sit there and say, yeah, if I won a billion dollars, this is what I would do. But uh, you're not, you're not going to win. Just, yeah, just I like mean, you hear win. about winners, right? You're like, oh, that could be me. And it's so, 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 so rare. Three times more likely to die in a car accident <laughs> while driving to buy the ticket. Driving to buy the ticket, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Like not, so, yeah, that's, that's incredible. And unfortunately, um, you know, the, the lottery is, is a tax on folks that really can't do it. I mean, they, yeah. they can't afford it, um, which is unfortunate. So um, if you are playing the lottery, view it as entertainment. Um, That's right. I'm still trying to figure out the connection between the first two facts. Oh, they're different, but it had, <laughs> the first one had a penny in it, so that's money. Okay. It's financial. So, yeah, John wanted me to, to do the financial fact <laughs> without reading without it. reading it, and I I yeah. was like, no, I'm I got to read. He said, don't read it first. So that's why I'm uh, I'm probably as perplexed as you guys listening right now. <laughs> Nevertheless, yeah, it's better to invest your money to buy a lottery ticket. That's right. So well, that's it's, the point. it's a two for one. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> So we're going to switch gears here and uh, talk about a uh, an article looking looking into 2023 and and Zach um, history shows that after a negative year in the stock market which we saw in 2022 yeah. um, the next year typically has been positive in some cases uh, very very positive like twice what the normal yeah. return is right <clears throat> so we're going to look at that and also um, this is from uh, uh, Isabel Wang and it's um, Really uh, talking about Tom Lee at Fundstrats, and he's that's a company that looks at data and so forth. And there's three possible catalysts that would enable um, the stocks to produce a 20% gain in 2023. Now, we're certainly not saying that's going to happen. Right. Right. Nope. So this is um, his opinion associated with it. But we do see historically big gains uh, a lot of times after a, a negative year. So, you know, historical data says there is a high chance that the U.S. stock market could record a return of 20% or more this year um, after the three major indexes closed 2022 with their worst annual losses since 2008. Yeah. And um, again, this is Fundstrat Global Advisors um, that uh, uh, wrote a lot of this article. And so the the head of research, Tom Lee, said the stock market investors or more likely to see a year of positive returns in a flat year uh, after the poor year last year. And so if you look back at some of the data, uh, 19 instances of negative S&P 500 index returns since 1950, 
Um, and over half of those years were followed by the large cap index gaining more than 20%. And that's according to the Fundstrats data. And only two of those years were followed by a flat year with a return ranging from 5 to negative 5%. So, you know, about 70, 73 years, 19 instances, um, mm-hmm. and half of those had a 20% or more return, and only two of them had kind of a, a, a mild, uh, you know, negative to flat return. Right, so, right. Yeah, you know, stocks are you're five times more likely to rise 20% than be flat, and more than half of the instances are over 20% gains. This is what Lee, he said in his Friday note um, to his investors, he said, you know, moreover, these probabilities are far higher than compared to typical years. You know, in all 73 years since 1950, there is only a 27% chance for the S&P to finish with an overall or over 20% gain compared to 53% odds in post-negative years. So yeah. what that's saying is, and I guess we, we actually have a good, we have a good example. 2021 was over 20% returns. 2022 is a negative year. Yeah. And so it's saying there's a so 2021 was a 27 percent chance of happening. Yep. And then if this year, following a negative year, which is 2022, we, according to him, yep. According to what is it? Uh, Fun Fundstrat. You know, 53 percent that this is um, possible uh, over 20 percent. Yep. Which is hey. Yeah. Those are pretty good odds. They are, and we, yeah. we've seen that. DFA has put out some data on yeah. this as well. And again, it doesn't mean that it's definitely going to be up 20%. And I wouldn't go make you know any drastic changes in your mm-hmm. strategy, but there are a lot of people that are saying, hey, there's going to be a recession this year. Should I go more conservative? I, I don't personally believe that's that's the right answer, yeah. but uh, you know, no one knows. But there are some catalysts out there that would enable stocks to potentially produce a big gain in 2023. And the first one is global disinflation. Um, that might be underway. And, and Lee and his team think the U.S. inflation will undershoot the Federal Reserve and the market's consensus by a wide margin in 2023. Economists polled by the Dow Jones um, expect December's inflation report, which is due out um, you know, pretty soon, will show the headline inflation remained unchanged from the previous month, or about 6.5% year over year. And the core price measure that strips out uh, food and, and fuel costs is expected to rise 0.3% from November or about 5.7% year over year. So Lee thinks the upcoming CPI report um, could see the uh, CPI rise as low as just 0.1%, which would represent a significant decline in the pace of inflation and put the three-month seasonal seasonal adjusted rate to around 2%. And that would be a a massive positive surprise. And I'll tell you, the markets have started off positive in January, and they may be seeing some of this sure. that he's talking about. We'll, we'll see how it, um, when the reports start coming out and what the Federal Reserve does. But, you know, there's um, there's some data out there that's at least trending in the right direction. Yeah, you know, and as a consequence, Lee and his team think it might set the stage for the Fed to lower the path of interest rates rises and even change the view that the benchmark rate will need to stay higher for longer. Fed funds futures traders now see a 74% likelihood of a 25 basis point raise um, in the next policy seating, me- meeting, which um, concludes February 1st, and a 66% chance of another one in March, which would bring that, that terminal rate to 475 to 5% by mid-year. Um, and this is according to the CME Fed Watch tool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, so the Federal Reserve is watching inflation. So if right. there is some, some disinflation and, and it's trending in the right direction, they may not have as much um, need to increase the interest rates, which is the markets are going to like that. So right. that's one factor that could you know um, be a catalyst for a, a big year. Another one is is wage gains 
are set to slow, which would help yep. inflation as well. So despite right. what the you know the strong jobs market leading indicators already are suggesting that wage gains are set to slow. And uh, the unemployment that recently came out um, showed that wage growth was less than expected in December and a sign that inflation pressure could be easing. Um, average hourly earnings rose about 0.3% from the month for the month and increased 4.6% from a year ago. And that's slightly less than expected and down from the 0.4% a month earlier. So payroll growth, though it decelerated in December, was still better than expected, a sign that the labor market still remains strong, even as the economy is you know, facing these headwinds from the Federal Reserve. So the unemployment rate um, still very, very low um, at about 3.5%. So the labor market is still strong, yeah. but they're seeing some wage pressure and some of the, um, right. the wages are going down. Yep. Yeah. And the uh, another point here is that the equity and bond volatility indexes um, far, fall sharply, or this, this is what they're expecting. So the equity and bond mo- market volatility is likely to fall sharply in 2023 in response to a fall in inflation and a consequently less hawkish Fed than they have been. You know, that's what Lee and his, his team were saying. He said They said, um, our analysis shows this drop in the VIX, which is the equity volatility index, is a huge influential factor in equity gains, which would further support the over 20% gains that they're talking about in stocks. Um, so they've got these, yeah. these data points that they're looking at in these projections. And it's, you know, it, it's, they're, they're trending in the right direction. Yeah, right. And it's really, it really is inflation, right? I mean, inflation exactly. is driving the interest rates. Yeah. It's driving the volatility. Right. It's driving the wage, you know. Um, it really is driving everything, which is why I think the Fed has the position they do on it to really be aggressive because yes. it, it really does destroy everything. So the market right now is looking looking for some direction on that and yeah. it's trending in the right direction and uh, that is a potential. Um, again, don't don't go make any drastic changes to your investment strategy, but nope. um, you know, I mean, 2023 it doesn't feel good. Um, <clears throat> people talking yeah. about recessions and so forth, but the market is always looking out 6 to 9 months and it's in it's looking out to the end of 2023 now and you know, at some point it's going to go into 2024. And that's why markets turn before the economy turns. Right. So. And that's why it's so hard to time things because you're you're most often responding way late. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so good uh, good discussion. We're going to switch here to the question of the week. And um, we get this question periodically. And it's, yeah. should I pay off my home before I fund retirement? You know what my, res- my answer is? Tell me. It depends. It depends. Okay. Well, you go. go. What does it depend? <laughs> well, you know, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of factors of paying off your home before you fund your retirement. Um, I mean, no, in one sense, I would. That would be my blanket response. I think you need to start refunding, not refunding, funding, funding, retirement, funding re- retirement. <laughs> uh, you know, it's from the get go. Um, but you know, it depends on if you, maybe you've got little less left in your mortgage. You just want to knock it out, mm-hmm. and you can fund retirement. Maybe, I don't know, it just depends on your situation. It does, right? it does. So, I mean, so baby step four for, for Dave Ramsey is 15% into, um, you know, into retirement and then yep. pay your house off on baby step that's, six. Yeah, right. That's but you're right, step. if you get an inheritance um, yeah. and you can knock out your, your mortgage, it's a great position to be in. Um, mm-hmm. We love people getting out of mortgages. Um, the, the latest point is going into retirement, right? But if you can get right. that mortgage knocked out by 50 if you have kids that's going huge. into college, yeah, you have yeah. extra money to help help yeah. them out, or so there's definitely expenses. definitely a balance in in this, and it, you're right, it does depend on the situation. Um, you've got more often than not. I mean, like if someone's coming and saying, "How how should I proceed?" Yeah, we want you to 
fund retirement yeah. and pay your mortgage off simultaneously. That's right. And so. some people are able to do that. Some people, you know, may take a little bit longer to, to accomplish that. That's but right. It's a good, uh, good question of the week. And we're going to switch gears here to our next topic. And that's seven ways to automate your finances and supercharge, supercharge your savings. Yeah. You know, I, I think automation in finances is one of the most important things you can do. Although it's not a familiar thing for a lot of people. Um, it's extremely powerful if you can get a handle of it. And, um, you know, starting the process of automating your finances, it, it can be daunting, but the sooner you jump in, the easier it is that you can manage your financial life and your future self will thank you. This, these seven um, steps or suggestions is from an uh, art article by Kiplinger, um, um, by uh, Shane Cummings. And uh, yeah, I think it's good. So, you know, because of things like mobile apps, smartphones, it's easier than ever really nowadays to auto automate your finances. You know, this can, this can include automating your savings or automating your paying down of debt, which is very valuable from a behavioral standpoint. Mm -hmm. You know, you're more likely to stick with something if it's done automatically in the background, essentially out of sight, out of mind. You know, we, mo we make automatic contributions to our 401ks or you automatically pay your taxes. You don't, you don't have to write a check. That'd be, that'd be um, challenging if you had to write a check to the government every quarter or every, at, at April every year. Mm -hmm. um, you just wouldn't, it's much easier that they take it out. They withhold taxes. You don't have to think about it. You get your net pay. So if you can automate your savings like you do those things, yeah. I think your financial future will be um, really well off. Yeah, and sometimes the biggest hurdle is just starting the process and, and getting it initiated and understanding what you have to do. So here here's seven things to automate. And, and the first one is great. It's savings. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's so important to have savings both for emergencies and also for the obviously long-term for retirement. Um, so you might want to put like a hundred dollars into your savings and then contribute some to retirement as well. But as a general rule of thumb, um, most of you who have listened to us and also Dave Ramsey is uh, emergency funds should be at least three months yep. um, of spending needs in cash and up to six months if you want to be a little bit more conservative. So three to six months in an emergency fund. And once you translate that into a dollar amount, you know, a lot of these banking apps allow you to set a a savings goal and then automate transfers yeah. to reach it and track progress. And so the apps will help you stay on track and give you encouragement make some adjustments if you fall behind. And, um, you know, again, this takes some time to set up, but even if you, you know, take an hour or two um, and you get your savings account and your future cash flow going in the right direction, it can change your, your life forever. And, um, yeah, right. That's an important thing. And, and some of these apps, um, I think they like round up purchases and take yeah. the the sense, the difference, and they'll put it into a savings account. So there's some yep. creative ways of doing this. There really are. And yeah, like, like you're seeing these apps, or even just websites, they have so many tools that you can use to automate these things. They really make it easy. So even if you're unfamiliar, I think figuring it out, asking someone to help you get started, it's really worth your time. Uh, the next one, the number two is um, automate regular payments. And a lot of people already do this, things like utility bills or mortgage payments. We really don't. They kind of automate. We look at it. We make sure it's correct. We're not worrying about paying them as much anymore. I mean, some people still will write a check and yeah. send it off. But most people automate these now. Sometimes they require you to automate them uh, out of a, like a direct deposit out of your checking account. But think about your automatic, um, automating your regular payments. What are the bills that go out every month? Can you set them up on auto pay? Can you set them up to have a check sent? I know some banks, you can just have them send physical checks for you too. You don't have to write them, but you can schedule those. 
So that's another uh, one to think about. And if it's available at your job, you should also utilize direct deposit into your checking account. It's just a quick way. You get paid quickly. You don't have to worry about getting the check, bringing it to the bank. So automating regular payments as well is number two. Yeah, that's great. And number three is pay your your future self. And you just mentioned a minute ago is 401ks, Mm -hmm. you know, taking it out of your paycheck. And and you really get used to that missing money, if you will. Um, So if your employer offers matching contributions, great way to save. If you put in 3%, a lot of them will give you 3%. I mean, that's 100% gain for putting your own money in there. I mean, that's phenomenal. So if you don't have access to that, you can always do an IRA account um, with a brokerage firm or you know, you can self-manage it. Um, you know, you can put up to $6,500 in 2023 if you're under the age of 50 mm-hmm. and 7500 if you're over the age of 50. So you can automate that as well. And so we have a lot of clients doing that um, in their Roth IRAs yeah, and traditional IRAs as well. It's very flexible. Um, I, this morning, I answered two emails, two people, two clients needed to pause that for a couple of months. Yeah. They have some other things going on in life. Yeah. So we pause it for three or four months, and then we start it back up. But if you can automate that and pay yourself, um, that's a great way to, to build wealth. And it's much easier to that point. I think that's a good, a good example. It's much easier to set it up, automate it, pause it yes. and resume it than to not. not set it up. That's right. You know, so just get it set up. And if you need to take a month or a quarter or even a year to, cause you have other expenses, at least you have it in place when you want to resume it. Uh, the next one, number four is consider annual 401k increases. I like this one a lot. Um, so your plan may offer an, uh, a 401k plan may offer an annual increase feature, which allows you to automatically increase the amount that you're saving Um you know, let's say at the end of the year. So let's say you're saving 3%, you could schedule it to increase by 1% at the end of each calendar year. So then in year two, you'd be saving four, in year three, you'd be saving five and so on. And the reason I like this is because typically in those years, you're, you're, you know, whether it's your wages increasing because of inflation, you're, you're, you're not, your net take-home pay is actually not changing, but your in your savings amount is. And if you don't know that, Mm-hmm. And you're just, hey, you've got your budget, you're paying your bills, you're living life, but you see your savings account growing more rapidly and you can automate that. I mean, I think that's that's key to to growing your your retirement savings. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so consider doing those annual increases in your 401k. Yeah, if it's a percent, you're really not going to notice that too much. Right, but exactly. that definitely adds up over time. It adds that's up. a good one. Another one here is making making sure your cash is earning a good rate. I mean, there's a lot of mobile apps out there that can help you set up these automatic transfers into the high yield savings. Um, you know, the interest rates have, have, uh, increased. I mean, we see them have, three, yeah. three and a half percent. Um, so it's not going to keep up with inflation because inflation, like we said, is, you know, five to 6%, but it's better than sitting in a typical checking account earning oh, yeah. zero. I mean, I still see 0.1 and, and 0.2 type yeah, interest it's like, rates guys, out get there. with the times. Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, a lot of these large <laughs> brick-and-mortar banks, they're, they're still not paying you anything on cash. So it's worth um, investigating high-yield online savings accounts. Um, Capital One is an example, American Express, um, that you can set it up and then you can transfer very easy between. It's very easy. If you need it, you can move it back to your bank account and use it. So a lot of apps out there as well. So go check that out. Make sure you're earning you know, good rate of return on your cash and um, automate those transfers. Yep. All right. Another one here, which is great, is making sure or adding extra savings to a taxable investment account. And so what we're talking about here is a brokerage account. And so once you have your emergency fund at an adequate level, um, you can set up a brokerage account 
and then set up automatic contributions into that brokerage account. Yeah. <clears throat> and the brokerage is super powerful. We have clients that are um, opening up two or three of them and putting different names, yeah. like a college brokerage account or a life brokerage account that they can use for cars and weddings and vacations. Yeah. Um, some people doing retirement brokerage accounts, but it's a way that you can build up additional buckets of money. Um, there is no uh, contribution limit. So nope. if you win that billion dollars in uh, the I'm lottery, which, on, yeah. which we said not to do. <laughs> well, unless, yeah, that's right. Sorry. Yeah, something about slugs and pennies. Yeah, and, well, yeah. that's slug management is what we, that's how <laughs> that's we should have right. phrased it a little bit better. But um, anyway, you know, automating these investments into the brokerage accounts yeah. is a great way. Again, you can, you can actually have too much cash. Um, oh, yeah. And yeah. so taking some of that and trying to, you know, earn more than, the three or four percent is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. And the final uh, final point is automating your debt pay down. You know, just like savings, you can automate paying down debt. If you have any loans or liabilities with payment plans, you can schedule monthly payments to your bank. If you have any credit card debt or loans with higher interest rates, it typically makes sense to direct, you know, those higher payments to the debt with the highest interest rates first to incur um, lower aggregate interest charges. It's also obviously the, the Ramsey's um, debt snowball paying off the smallest amount first. Whatever strategy you follow, you the important thing is, again, automating your yeah. debt because if it hits your checking account and leaves right away, you're not going to be saying, oh, I have an extra $500 or $1,000. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's go let's go celebrate. It's like, no, that's, that's sent out immediately. That's reserved for your debt pay down. So I think the reason automation is so important it's, and the reason why we you know, want to encourage you guys to do it is between family and work, you know, life, it's just, it's hectic enough. I mean, there'd be times where I missed a bill because, yeah, it was a busy season, yep. sat in the pile, and <clears> I just <throat> didn't look at it. And our free time really is better spent doing other things than chasing down bills. So by automating this process, you know, you can alleviate stress. You can ensure you're on track to meet your goals. You can make sure you don't miss payments. You can make sure that, hey, if you want to pay this off in three years, well, you schedule it, and in three years, it's done. So I think automating, it's a great time to, to re- um, recalibrate new year, right? It's a good time to reset and uh, take a couple out hours out and just sit down, automate this, get set up. And uh, I think your, your finances, your future will, will thank you. So. Yeah. And I think at a minimum, you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, Oh, I've got seven, seven more things to do. Yeah. <laughs> right. Thanks Zach. Sorry. Do Sorry. one of them, do the 401k, increase it by 1%. Yep. I mean, yeah. you know, if you're doing 3%, take it up to 4%. Yeah. That's an easy that's step. And that'll and help you in the future. Yeah. And that's just like a click of a button too. That's right. So, yep. Good, uh, good conversation there. We're going to close up here with the prescription of the week, and it has to do with taxes. So we're, you know, starting to get into tax season. I've been talking right. to my CPA friends, and it's weird they're they're charged up and excited this year because <laughs> there's minimal COVID related oh, um, yeah, activities. Yeah, the last couple of years, oh, I, just can't in for a loop. I can't imagine. I can't imagine being a CPA or anyone who prepares taxes during yeah. the uh, COVID uh, exceptions and everything. Goodness. It's been a challenge. Yeah. It's been a challenge. So they're excited, but so start collecting your tax documents. W two should come in by the end of January. Yep. Uh, but the 1099s that you, if you do have brokerage accounts and ten and uh, IRA distributions. Um, companies like TD Ameritrade and Charles Schwab and Fidelity, they have until the middle of February, February yeah. to send those out. So typically we see them starting to send them out in, in January. Um, you yeah, know, you might get it early. You could, yeah. but you can always look online. Yep. They'll, they'll pop in there. Um, so I would look at the end of January, but collect your tax documents, get a folder, put them in there. Um, yep. Make sure you have everything kind of organized for your CPA. But timing wise, um, the other thing that's confusing sometimes is that mutual fund companies sometimes change um, the distributions and they have to reissue the 1099s. Yeah. 
causes some issues. So I would end up taking, I would, we would recommend taking stuff to, ta- um, to CPAs probably at the end of uh, February, maybe the beginning of March. Yeah. It gives them enough time. You're in the queue. Um, you can get yep. them processed quickly. And what you can do too is, um, you know, if you, if you either take it CPA or if you do your own taxes using a tax software, you know, you can get everything entered and just wait to see if you get one of these um, adjusted yes. 1099s. And if not, then just submit it. Yep. But I know sometimes, you know, you have time available in January or February that you don't have in March. So, you know, per, I think gather things together. Yes. Get but just organized. wait until you submit it until you make sure you don't get one of these adjusted uh, 1099. So. Yep. yep. Very good. Anything else? I mean, yes, there's tons of things we could talk about. But, but we're out of time. We should probably, yeah. Yeah. So this has been this <laughs> week's edition of Money MD and Slug Management. So um, if you have any questions on how to handle uh, slugs in your garden, please reach out yeah, to we, Zach. Yeah, we're experts now. Take a penny. Uh, it's cheaper yeah. than a beer, right? It is so, much cheaper. That's yeah. right. So tune in next week to moneymd.net to hear more prescriptions for your financial health and check out our website, moneymd.net. Send us your questions or you can give us a call here at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening and have a great rest of the week. Yeah, have a good weekend. General information only and should not be taken as specific investment tax or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. All hosts are representatives of Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.